Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash, like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Another episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry Nimroff here on the East Coast, missing Haley Fouch on the West Coast. But look at that setup. <laughs> I, I upgraded. There's work to be done. I just realized that my reflection or the computer reflects in this. So I'll okay, have to put some art here next week. Uh, but I put Ireland it's no big deal. here. People can just see us twice now. That's okay. I put a little Ireland magnet so they can enjoy the vistas. Uh, but next week, we'll put some art there. But yeah, I've upgraded. My little friend is here. It looks very my professional. Here. Like you're making me think I should clean this nonsense up a little bit. Wow, I'm I'm honored because uh, I've not been bringing the backdrop game. I will say though, my setup's going to get a slight bit more professional in the very near future because I ordered a new microphone and it's a USB mic and it's set to arrive this weekend and I can't wait. Nice. It's about time. Uh, Speaking of which, just want to let everyone know we did have a little tech trouble setting this week up. So if things sound funny at all, we certainly did our best and it is going to be a slightly abbreviated episode because it took us quite a while to, to get what we got for you. Not just because of that, though. It's also because we're working on some super cool stuff for the website. So even though this might be a short and sweet episode of The Witching Hour, it means that if you've watched Sea Fever, you'll get to read a cool article that I'm going to write on the website. And also, Haley's been busy working on cool stuff all day as well. What What do you got on tap for the website? Yeah, so part of also why we were running late is because I did an interview with um, the director of Underwater for the home video release. So uh, for anyone who has seen Underwater, you know, the end is quite something and we talked all about it and uh, yeah, it should be a fun read. And he he told me a cool little Easter egg that I don't think people know about yet. Cool. I had said on the last episode that I was going to watch it, but I didn't realize that 
I think I said it and was planning to watch it on like April 12th and it didn't come out until the 14th and I was all pissed when I went to, to go <laughs> buy it and watch it but now I can watch it this weekend so yeah it's a good weekend watch all right watch hopefully we'll be able to talk about it more next time um we have a very specific topic to discuss today and Haley I will let you introduce it yeah so um you know there's not a lot of new horror coming out right now understandably which made me start thinking about like the future of horror and what we're seeing with this health crisis is everything shut down which is going to have a tremendous effect on blockbusters and you know the repacing the trajectory of the MCU that kind of thing but i i kind of wanted to talk about what it what does it maybe mean for horror which i think is in a really unique and different position than a lot of the uh, breadwinning sort of genres at the box office um well the first thing that came to I kind of want you to elaborate on what you just said first and tell me exactly why you think that but the first thing that did come to my mind is that we're going to see a lot of the breaking news headlines change in a way that pivot into the current events more than we might have and the the example that comes to mind is Fede Alvarez's new movie, which is 16 States, and it is a zombie movie, but most headlines refer to it as a pandemic movie, and <laughs> I, I guess all zombie movies are, but I think that it would have been a headline that said Fede Alvarez's new zombie movie, 16 States, had we not been in this current situation. No, I think you're definitely true. That's really, um, that's interesting and insightful. I hadn't really thought of that. I hadn't paid too much attention to that news, so... I definitely think everything in reporting and media in a non, I'm not making a political statement with this, but has been altered the way where things are being written and reported. And definitely that's a decision that's driven by like, we want people to read this article, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's not nefarious. It's not no. inaccurate. It is a it's pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, undead pandemic. But uh, it, it's an interesting um thing to observe how it's changing the way we talk. One, one thing that I did notice online, and it was, this, this wasn't, you know, official news or anything like that, it was more of a meme, is that one of the websites that does count um, the, uh, the cases and the passings from coronavirus at one point accidentally had a typo and said minus one in the passing column. <laughs> so there's your, well, your zombie yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be, gotta be careful with those uh, yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah, I saw that going around a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Minus one. Uh, that's a good bit. That should be in a movie. Uh, but it's the kind of bit that would only happen in real life. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not ready for that bit yet. No, I just mean <laughs> the, the minus one thing. That would have been funny in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it would, <All> right. <laughs> would have been something. <laughs> oh, the world we live in. Oh, what a time. But yeah, so I don't know. I think like horror not just because horror inherently touches into our darker emotions and helps us confront mortality and all these things that we're thinking about uh wholesale right now but i think it's in a really unique position to maybe weather this better than some other types of filmmaking specifically because um you know horror isn't inherently tied to any set release schedule there's always going to be horror movies in september and october but they do well all year round they we don't really have any like 
massive horror franchises that are going to be derailed by this in a way that's too difficult to course correct. Um, I mean, Halloween's already finished shooting, and I'm trying to think of, I think The Purge is also finished. Yeah. Like, that was for July. Production-wise, yes, and some of the bigger the bigger moves and release dates wound up being, I believe, Candyman and Spiral. Yeah. Or at least those were the first two that came to mind right now. But also, it's, you know, there's no, you don't have to have a massive budget or major stars to make a horror movie. People, without question, will make cool horror movies while they're in quarantine. And they will do it at home with what they have. No celebrities, no fancy stuff. They're just going to make something creative and cool while mm-hmm. they're in lockdown. I mean, if if you're looking for a silver lining in this situation, that's it. I was actually just chatting with someone recently that just, he watches my videos. His name is Seth. He's super cool and creative. And he entered some local competition to make a short film. And they were all quarantine inspired, I believe. But the one he made was about online dating and <laughs> I, you know it was it was a super short 3 to 5 minute thing and it was so touching and effective and then i i started watching a bunch of the others in the competition and one of the fan favorites at the time was you know someone going out to buy toilet paper ninja style and he gets attacked and it's you know it, it is the one probably exciting thing that i found recently are are ways people are trying to to get creative and still tell storytelling still tell stories that move you in some sense yeah and i mean um Roger Corman just launched like a little uh, sort of, I don't want to say it wrong, but like a digital quarantine film festival of sorts. He wants your quarantine movies that you're making when you're locked up. And it's, you know, that's so Roger Corman. I love that his just this far into his career, he still sees the opportunity for the the low budget creative creativity play. There, There's that. And there's also uh, the opportunity to just, make screen life movies right Don't. now. I, I'm I'm a little surprised Timor hasn't jumped on that opportunity a little a little quicker. But you know the the other thing to weigh in all of this is that, you know, I, I think that horror just has a better chance on VOD. And I'm not saying that no other type of content can do well on on demand at home, watching at home sweet home. But you know, even when I think about a lot of the movies that I've covered since this has been going on, which ones have popped? The two that come to mind were Vivarium and The Platform, both genre movies. And I wouldn't be surprised if that continued, although I will say on the opposite end of the spectrum, the other type of content that I see having a lot of life right now is reality dating shows i really do think that netflix is going to see a lot more success with shows that they already released like the circle and also love is blind but with too hot to handle coming out this weekend i guarantee you're going to see a lot of that on the socials yeah everyone's real horny it's it's gonna it couldn't have come (laughs) out wasn't wasn't thursday national horny day or something yeah exactly it was meant to be it's real (laughs) uh yeah that's not even like back to the horror performing really well right now or genre that's not even like a rarefied or specific to this time i would just being someone who watches the traffic those genre films always outperform on vod in terms of now that's not um that's not a necessarily 
of a way to say like horror genre does better on VOD, that says that more people search things after watching horror and genre, but it, it does, it, the amount of searches happening indicates a certain amount of popularity. Yeah, no, and that, and that totally makes sense, especially when you think about titles like, let's say, The Platform and Vivarium, where, you know, you might want to talk about the really interesting ideas that they put out there and the fact that you don't get all the answers. The second you get a movie that winds up being popular that doesn't give you all the answers, which does tend to be genre movies more so than not, it's, it's going to happen. You're going to get all those searches. It's true. We never <laughs> talked about Vivarium. Did you like it? I loved it. And I, like I, it. I loved it even more after talking to the director, too. Even though he didn't really give me any specific, because you know me, I love rules, and he didn't really give me any super specific answers, but just some of the themes and the ideas that are baked into that whole scenario, I, I am endlessly fascinated by that concept. And the same is true. Yeah, I really, oh, definitely. But we've talked about that a lot yes, for like a year and a half. I could keep talking and talking about it, though. By Varium, I... It's one of those movies that when I watched it, I liked it. I was a little iffier on it when I left. I saw it at Fantasia last year when I mm -hmm. left the screening. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, I think that's actually quite good. Like, I think I really like that. And I, I have not really, I think about that film more than the average movie, I would say. Like, yeah. it comes back into my mind. I think that's, I think that's the strong part about that movie. I, I do think it's very entertaining as you're watching it, but it was one of those things that kind of like crept up on me after the fact. Same. It's like I was able to brush it off very, very quickly after I watched it, but it was, it kept coming back to me when I noticed similarities between that lifestyle and reality. And every <laughs> single time I made those connections, I'm like, oh no, yep, yeah. this, this is what it is. I felt it while I was watching it, obviously, but I think it gets more and more disturbing as you see it reflected in your reality. And I also, I think that when I first watched it, I really took the surface obvious stuff, which is hit very hard. That mm -hmm. would be criticism. Like the, the themes about suburbia will kill your soul. I, I know. <laughs> uh, and it's more like the themes about nature and the cycles we prescribe to ourselves that I found more interesting thinking on it longer than just like suburbia bad, which is what I took from it immediately after watching Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just love the design of that movie too. It's, yeah, I know. But I, I say love, but it's also so sickening also. I, that's I, the, I can't shake this. that color. Yeah. It may, it made me really green? uncomfortable. Yeah. That yeah. green is hideous. That's that's why they chose it for for a, for a reason. I mean, really, that that and the performances in that movie were incredible. I, I I always think Jesse Eisenberg is good, but it was Imogen Poots that really blew me away. And it's not that I'm surprised that she can deliver such a great performance. I've I've been a fan of hers for years and years and years now. But I don't know. The more I watch it, the more my heart breaks for her, not just in the movie, but also in reality. I, I don't know. Every single time I watch challenging movies like this, I, I really can't understand how actors just give themselves over to that kind of headspace for a while. <laughs> it must be so exhausting, and I applaud them for doing it for our entertainment. 
That's right. I took what you felt bad for her in real life a different way, which is because for me, like when you say you're not surprised she can give that performance, neither am I. I've seen Green Room. She's excellent. She's excellent in Frank and Lola. She's always good. But she doesn't often get the opportunity to do these kinds of performances, which is why I feel bad for her. That's, that's very, that's fair. I'm trying to think of what, what her highest profile film might've been at this point. I mean, in, in theory, need for speed, but that didn't really. Oh, no. Yeah, that that really can't well. be the answer to that question. Is it green room kind of? I mean, I feel like that's the most beloved and respected of her. Black Christmas makes me sad. 28 Weeks Later rules, but people don't talk about it enough. Yeah. She was quite good in this TIFF movie I saw last year called Castle in the Ground, but I also don't think that one's going to make all that much noise. Yeah, I think... I think it might be Green Room. Well, that awkward moment was supposed to be a pretty big rom-com when it came out in January of whatever year that was, but that's not really talked about. Fright Night. Fright Night was a pretty big one for her. I like Fright Night quite a bit also. I mean, I feel, though, that the recurring theme here is probably why she does so many of these smaller movies that aren't going to make, like, a high-profile launch is because all the ones we brought up that are big movies, what did she play? She played The Girlfriend. That's not a good role. That That sucks. She did. That she did. So Uh, so the the conclusion is make make, uh, Imogen Poots busier with bigger roles, please. Please. I I think she's, I've always been a huge fan of hers. I remember seeing her for the first time in 20 weeks later. And obviously her face is like a situation to process. You're just like, what is this art on a human (laughs) face? So I I remember being very stricken by her beauty, but also just her... um, she was so young in that movie and, mm-hmm. and totally commanded it in a cast full of, like, you forget how good that cast is. I know. I need, I also need to rewatch 28 Weeks Later. It's I, good. I feel like it's, it's been a little too, I, I think that's one of the things that staying at home is, is making me realize even more so than before is that there are so many movies that I love, love, love that I haven't watched recently enough. And it feels, I, I keep going back and forth because it feels like, oh, I've got more time than ever. I should be watching everything right now. But it's still, like, it's not entirely the truth, whether it's, you know, you're, you are busy doing other things or you don't have the motivation to watch a movie. So for anybody yeah. putting pressure on themselves to watch everything now, 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 it's okay if it's not realistic for you. I'm not... I'm honestly not focused on that at all. I've barely watched any movies. I don't find them relaxing and like relaxing is my number. I get very emotionally invested. Um, And I just am watching a lot of uh, like bread baking videos because it's very hard to get emotional about that. All right. No, but it's a, you know, it's just a matter of it. It's a different piece of entertainment that speaks to you that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. And I, you know, it's not like I'm saying movies are bad. I just, I really uh, need to chill is what I need. And I'm, I'm going to prioritize that above some sort of like made up checklist of productivity and what I could be doing, you know? Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm caught on the other side. It's I made like you... incredible honey cakes last night. The baking videos what? are paying off. Yeah. It's, I wish it was possible to like plop a honey cake in the mail and send it to me. Me too. Do you know what I, what I've made? Hmm. Nothing. <laughs> I lie. I've made a little something, but whatever I've made is something you can make in the microwave. All right. It counts. 
my reality. I can't help you it. You can make some really good mug cakes in the microwave. No, that that is true. I know that because in college, I only made things that were makeable in the microwave. <laughs> That's my cookbook, things that are makeable in the microwave. I'd buy it. <laughs> uh, well, just so we don't totally lose the topic because um, we are on a limited amount of time today. Um, what do you think this is going to be like the subgenre trend to come mm. out of this? And like, it's not so like, yeah, we're going to see virus movies, but nobody's going to want to watch that because it's depressing and it's too real. And it's like when, you know, when we were reacting to the, um, to war in the early 2000s we didn't get movies horror movies about war we got torture porn mm. so it's like I, I wonder how our collective conscience is going to reframe this that's a really really good question so uh, I do think that we're going to see some companies out there get too tempted by a pandemic and go for a straightforward recreation of what's happening right now. And I'm not saying, you know, something that stays true to COVID-19, but, you know, just working with the idea of a pandemic. I think it's just, it's going to be too tempting. And I think those companies are going to run into the problem of people not being ready for that right now. I mean, I'm, I most certainly am not, but the thing that I have been consuming a lot of right now are pandemic adjacent movies. And I think a great example could be something like Sea Fever, because essentially Sea Fever is what we're going through right now. They bring up the idea of needing to take responsibility for the situation that they got themselves into and not spread it to other people. But all of that is wrapped into a sea monster movie. So I feel removed from it, even though clearly I'm well aware of the similarities between the two. I think that, yes, I agree completely. And that was kind of going to be my answer as well as monsters and monster adjacent things for various reasons. Um, monsters can be infectious as we see in sea fever, as the zombie genre has shown us for many years. Um, but they can also be a really keen stand-in metaphorical figure for, you know, like, Fear of the other, which is something we're experiencing a lot right now. Um, xenophobia, that type of thing. It, monsters have always been really good for exploring that. I think we're already in that phase. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got us. Yeah, that's, that's not xenophobia. That's the fear no, of the no, self. Well, fear, all right. Fear of the other is different from fear of the self. But, well, I mean, in a, in a sense, it's a little bit of both, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, then I think I think us, I know us still applies. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I just um, I think that yeah, monsters are a perfect way to do all of that, and also with you know, there's the element of horrifying self transformation that can come with monster stories. Um, the fear of your own body turning on you. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. I do think. I wonder. I think yes, because these always go in cycles and zombie movies have been on a low key for about 10 years. Cause kind of my thesis is that like walking dead kind of killed zombie movies. Cause it was doing it every week and doing it real well. I mean, the effects were really good. I'm not a fan of the storytelling, but um, that just straight up, not yeah. for me. Yeah. 
I don't think you're alone there, even though I've heard it's improved. I have too. And uh, my mom's a diehard for the show. She still watches. So no, no shade, no tea. It's just not for me. Um, I didn't mean to be a cute little rhyming person. (laughs) Um, There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah. I do think they're going to, they're going to come back now because the, it's about time for that cycle for zombies to cycle back into popularity. And I, I think this, um, unfolding global pandemic will further fuel that fire. Yeah, I could see I could see that happening. I mean, I guess I guess in a sense 16 states is the proof that that is happening. We're going to get more of that kind of stuff. I I definitely I definitely think we're going to get a lot of, you know, weighty timely themes wrapped into other things. You know, almost almost a little bit like Babadooky too where they take this concept that could be very deeply personal and, and, and heady, and they, they kind of cram it all into this, this creature, this monster. Yeah. Well, I, feel I, think like that, I think we're going to see a lot of that. That was something we really landed on as being a big theme for the last decade in horror, was like this turn towards really weighty themed, uh, not that that's new, but it was very popular, and I think that will absolutely continue. Here's another idea. I think, I think that... <laughs> I, I really do think that we're going to see horror pivot into our reality, but in a digestible way. It's almost like when I have to give Dewey a pill, but I put it in a, in a bacony flavored or whatever it is, pill pocket, so he could swallow it. That's what we're going to wind up getting. And I wonder <laughs> if that's going to turn the focus away from things like, like The Conjuring and the paranormal. We've got so much, you know, real fears that are right in our face all the time. I wonder if, you know, paranormal movies are the ones that are going to take the back seat unless they could figure out thematic ways to tie it into other timely things yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if that again it's always cyclical right and so we just had a huge cycle of paranormal yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if that takes a back burner for a minute now and i don't know i liked the idea though and i'm sure someone's already making it of like being quarantined in a haunted house that's very interesting Huh. <laughs> well, now my mind is spinning out of control with the creative possibilities <laughs> yeah. there. I mean, yeah, you could have even a whole anthology series about the experience of being quarantined in a variety of locations. I may have suggested to you I want to do something very much like that. Yes, and, you know, in a sense, that's kind of a step away. That format is a step away to how Contagion covered a pandemic where it was that gigantic ensemble cast and you got a little window into how so many different people were, were going through that process and experiencing what was happening. I just, you know, that, that when the time is right, at least, too, that could be an interesting way to reflect on this. And you, you know I'm very into anthology, so I wouldn't mind seeing that kind of format be used more often. I'm looking forward to seeing Adam McKay's movie about this. It's going to be a lot. Wow. It's going to be a lot. You, yeah, you know it's going <laughs> to and and you know it's going to happen. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if if he was like the first out of the gate with something like this. Oh yeah. Well, he already has one that sounds super duper relevant. Really? Um coming to Netflix with Jennifer Lawrence about um people who know that there's an asteroid coming to earth but okay. it's all about the bureaucracy bullshit that keeps it from being effective this is this is ringing some bells see but that that is that could actually fall into the category that i was 
that I was explaining before. It's like being about something, but being about something else. So it doesn't yeah, hurt I, as much. <laughs> I wonder if they're doing some uh, touch-ups on the script, given everything. They could. They definitely could be. Where do you think uh, slasher movies fall in this? If, we, if we're seeing, let's say, the rise of, you know, these, these more timely things that are, <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I have my Slack notifications turned off. I don't know how that came through. <laughs> I, don't I don't even know what that was because it was being distorted by the alerts that I'm getting that I don't think anyone could hear right now but me. Okay. I'm very well, easily that's... distracted at this point in quarantine. Um, but it's like, if we have those movies that I was describing on the rise, if we have paranormal movies on the decline, where do slasher movies fit in all of that? Slashers are interesting and I'm not really sure what I think. because. I, it's very visceral it, and it, it has been on a bit of an uptick lately and it hasn't been super popular for a while. And it does tap into like something deadly coming into your home. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just, is it too primal, too simple? I don't know. It's interesting. It's like in, in, a, in a really sad sense, is that scary enough right now? Right. That's kind of what I mean. Like, oh, wow. Because it's, and it's also, it's the exact opposite of what we're dealing with, where a, a slasher with a knife is less scary because you could run away. Yeah. You can't outrun this. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I don't know if it's their time. <laughs> I, I mean, someone might have a really great take on it that makes it, super relevant to our current fears and what other subgenres do we have well so, so we we've covered like monster monster movies paranormal slasher mm. i mean i i don't think the found footage subgenre really applies in this concept it's that's more of a, a stylistic choice than a yeah and i think that's a choice in the sense of screen life that's going to be huge right now because yeah. all, our whole life is screen life right now um, more more so than ever before every single piece of human inter interaction that's not within our household is over screens mm -hmm. um i guess i mean werewolves not so much that's generally been used for like coming of age and dealing with internal demons well you could you could see universal with their with their monster movie reboots maybe addressing some of this especially with how they they played with certain topics in Invisible Man, it yeah. is something that can be morphed into a more relevant topic Dracula in the near future. Very much work. Yeah. Well, and, and there's also the, the other Dracula movie that Andre Overdahl is working on about the Demeter. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's going to hit at just the right time. Yeah, that could definitely, vampires could work for sure. Cause it's like zombies. It's huh. this plague of undead, but sexier. Um, vampires could vampires could be a big thing what about what about like a battle royale type of movie because yeah you know thank, thank thankfully it has not come to anything so serious but like even just you know taking the idea of people fighting over toilet paper and taking it to the extreme yeah i mean yeah definitely if you make it about resources and lean into the hunger games thing i could yeah do that um yeah i could i could see that i do enjoy those those fight for survival films and um, 
But I do wonder again if it's almost like we were saying with the slashers because it's people. Is it not? It's like, is it not scary enough? Is it? I mean, I know people are scary right now. Getting scarier yeah. for the day. I I would actually even take it to a take it to a slightly like darker, more dramatic place, and like I I would be very curious to see a story about survival that turns the nature of what we think survival in a horror movie is on its head where, you know, usually it's a, it's a family who's willing to, you know, go to great lengths and put their lives on the line in order to protect the loved one from something else. But what if, and you know, maybe this doesn't suit the horror genre anymore, but you know, assessing that, but from the perspective of, of the, the opposite, where rather than, you know, running towards the flames, protecting your family is about forcing yourself to, to stay home. And just, mm-hmm. you know, there, there really is, I, like, I understand the frustration that comes from a scenario like that. It's like fi- fighting the mind fuck that comes from having to take yourself away from running out to go help someone when really you're just hurting others. Mm-hmm. That's the, interesting. That's very philosophical. Yeah. Again, again, tapping into why I like sea fever so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, wow. I feel like you just opened up like a real conversation about ethics. <laughs> oh yeah, that can that can go on and on and on. Exactly. <laughs> I. Are there any other? Are there any other subgenres we can weave into here? I mean, nothing that leaps out to me is really fitting to this, although I'm sure as soon as we sign off, I'll be like, here are 14 yeah, more. Really? Like, you're going to explode. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, definitely, uh, along the lines of what you were saying with like the Babadook type stuff, personalizing it, but a more political angle, I expect we'll see a lot. Yeah. I wonder how the Purge franchise is going to handle this. Yeah. There's there's a lot of material to work with in that department. I mean, isn't this supposedly the last one? I I don't believe any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never know. The forever purge. Not not to get off topic, but I did want to tell you that and like I loved this movie from the first time I I saw it and I watched it quite a few times but you know me I always veer towards the original Scream movies but I watched Scream 4 for the first time in probably like I would say like two years at this point it's so damn good like it's, it's so good but I think I I think I appreciate it more and more with every single watch like I, I really think that is a very, very good film and a smart film, too. And I don't think it gets enough credit for that. Oh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, I know, I knew. Oh, that's great. that's why I've been waiting. <laughs> I watched it the other night to have somebody to talk about it yet again with. And that, it, that really is such a smart movie, though. And Emma Roberts in it. That, that is a next-level performance. She's it really, so, she's so good. It freaks like me I was a little. saying how um, I think about Vivarium more than the average movie. I think about that performance way more than the average performance. Yeah. I think I needed that, that quick refresher, but I, I always thought it was batshit crazy when I first saw the movie, but it's just like, there's, there's like a masterful quality to what she does with that character. So good. I, that movie is like, it's messy it's it's maybe 10 minutes 
you know, cut off 10 minutes and you've got a real brilliant film. Um, when I think about it, though, the messiness of it makes too much sense. <laughs> it's, so. like, it's, it's supposed to be. All right. I'm just going to, we're going to, all right, we're going to close out Witching Hour after this. So thank you for watching and listening. If you haven't sc- seen Scream 4, go watch it. All right. I'm going to talk about the ending right now. <laughs> I, I, like, I still felt bad. I don't I want to spoil it for anybody because it's still a, I don't know, a 21st century release. I don't know, whatever. So because because of who's behind it, I think it calls for it to be almost a little disjointed because you have Charlie who lives and breathes horror movies and the rules. And then you also have Emma Roberts who doesn't know like anything besides what Sydney went through. It would just make sense if it felt like it was totally going back and forth. And also when you listen to the ghost face calls in that movie, I don't know. Like, I almost want to go through the script line by line and be able to tell you who said which one on the phone. Because <laughs> I do think there is a very distinct difference between the two. I'm sure there is. Like you said, it's a smart movie. They would have thought of that. Yeah. Um, I I think you're very <laughs> generous. so messed up. Hmm? <laughs> I just like, can't believe how messed up Jill is on the movie. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and it's so... I think quite ahead of its time because we had social media, obviously that's what the film was referencing, but we did not have influencers and the idea of social media fame the way we do now. And that is so that that desire to go viral that they tapped into is very ahead of its time. Like memes were still real cute when that came out meme culture had not evolved to where we are now virality was a different thing and this whole i just want to be famous uh and i'm gonna do it online that's very i i love that movie and i i think you're generous i think it is messy and i um i don't think necessarily intentionally so some things are so weird like uh, when her aunt gets killed. Oh, I know. Well, the, aunt, the, aunt, the aunt was like a little bit of a weird character from start to finish. It's, oh, she, she was, she was kind of more of a prop than a real character. Also, I love that actress, but that performance is on another planet. Uh, <laughs> likewise, her, her face when she gets stabbed through the mail slot, like there's just something off about it. The whole scene is off and it feels weird and it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like a scream kill. I don't know. So like messy in that way, the, the deputy is, I, I enjoy oh, I, I love oh. Judy Hicks. Don't even, don't go oh, there. She's on another fucking planet. She's of in another she fucking is. movie. She's I, in a different film. I don't care. I like whatever movie she's in and I'm happy yeah, to have her I, here. I love her and her lemon squares, but <laughs> it's a weird vibe. That does not match up with the rest of the film. It's it's fair. It feels to me like Scream 4 is 75% Scream 1 and 25% Scream 3. I think that, yeah. As far as the goofiness goofiness of it goes. I think it was, um, maybe Ryan Turek replied to my tweet about this a while back and said it feels like she walked in from a Scooby-Doo story. (laughs) That's pretty dead on. You know what? I would watch an entire movie with Judy Hicks going all Scooby-Doo and solving <laughs> crimes because I think she's great. And that's Marley Shelton, right? And she, yeah. She's another one that I think does not get enough credit for her work. And I wish we saw more of her. 
Agreed. I love her in Planet Terror. She is one of my favorite parts of that film. That's another like on another planet performance and it's what's, so good. What's the James Marsden movie that I love so much with her in it? Sugar and Spice. Sugar and Spice. Have you yes. ever seen that? Yes, I have. Oh my god, I used to love that movie. There's another one I haven't watched in forever that I need to rewatch. I haven't seen that in probably, I don't know, when did it come out? <laughs> oh wow, that must have been very, very early 2000s? Yeah. Maybe uh, late that, 90s even? That many years. That's wow. Funny. I've I've definitely watched it fairly recently and I still love it. Um, all right. I guess we should go. I guess. I've got more work to do. I'm going to see Fever. I go to write. <laughs> no, I'm going to write up this underwater stuff. But it's, but it's Friday. Yay! <laughs> do you want to see a really cute thing of Dewey before you, we Obviously. have all that? Ready? Oh, yeah. look at that little nugget sleeping. What a tiny bean. Yeah, I think he is the, the happiest thing in the world. Just hanging home. I literally spend... I think I spend 20 hours a day with Dewey now, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not kidding. That, that, I think that might be a very accurate total. I, I understand. <laughs> I that, means, funny... that means I only come out of my room for four hours. I that, that sounds generous now that I'm saying that out loud. I know. It's okay. <laughs> We're in special times. No judgment is allowed. Oh. Um, I have this funny thing where I'm being kind of bullied by one of my cats. Um, like, I think, hmm? Is it Kitty? Never. Oh, angel. It's Khaleesi. She's a queen, though. She's, she's an angel queen, though. She's okay. a very good, benevolent ruler. Um, Khaleesi ah. lives up to her namesake. And <laughs> she is a nightmare. And she tortures. And I, she's, she's caught wise now to the fact that everyone's in their rooms all the time. And her technique to getting into any room she wants is to scream at the door relentlessly. Ah. No matter what time it is, that includes three in the morning. She's bullying everyone with her hideous meows. I wouldn't say Dewey's a bully, but he has definitely gotten even more talkative. And he was pretty talkative <laughs> before, but he did those sweet meows. Now it's, it's, now it's just like constant like, ma, 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 over and over. Like, a lot of times when I'm working and writing during the day, he's just doing circles around my little desk and just saying, ma, over and over. Give me what I want now. Pretty much, yeah. Now. That's, That's yeah. what I hear every time she meows. Now. Do it now. <laughs> you hear now and I hear, ma, ma, ma. <laughs> yeah, she's not that sweet. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get out of here. We got to go. Haley, where can everyone find all your wonderful work on the interwebs? You can find me on Collider.com. You can find me on Twitter at Haley Fouch, on Instagram at Haystack McGooby, McGooby, <laughs> and uh, Letterboxd on Haley Fouch, at Haley Fouch. Uh, on, uh, uh, yep, Letterbox yeah. Haley Fouch. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're losing it. I'm on Twitter at P. Nemeroff and on Instagram over there as well. Apparently, I TikTok now, too. So if you want to watch Thank those, you. I think that's my handle over there, too. Um Man, I had so, oh yeah. So if anybody out there wants to talk too hot to handle with me over the weekend, you just tweet at me and I will talk to you about it because I love that show more than I should. All right, if though. If anybody wants to send me their favorite bread recipe, I would appreciate it. Or actually, no, I have really good bread recipes. What I need is um, good, easy desserts. Send me those. Okay. So dessert recipes and too hot to handle talk. Get on it, guys. 
That's it for now, though. You've officially survived the witching hour. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831-20. It's that Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify.